0: This podcast provides audio versions of live webinars. Please see the episode description for a link to the full presentation.
1: Thank you for downloading the webinars podcast from Bitesize Bio, the missing manual for bioscientists. The full version of this webinar can be viewed by navigating to bitesizebio.com webinars and clicking on the name of the sponsor, which can be found in the list on the right hand side of the page. Hello, this is Amanda Welch welcoming you to this Bitesize Bio webinar. Today's presentation is titled, Five Actionable Steps for Transitioning Smoothly to a Non-Faculty Career, and is being presented by Heidi Justo. Heidi helps individuals and businesses succeed when the stakes are high. She provides consulting, writing, and editing for resumes, cover letters, CVs, and LinkedIn profiles, and coaching for networking and interviewing effectively. Heidi also assists businesses with web content and marketing materials. She earned her PhD from Duke University, and is a certified Professional resume writer and a certified employment interview professional. If you'd like to speak with Heidi, feel free to contact her at Heidi at CareerPathWritingSolutions.com, and that link will be sent out to everybody in the chat box later during the webinar. As always, we will have a question and answer session after the presentation, so please type any questions that you have into the questions box, which appears on the right-hand side of your screen, and I'll put them to Heidi at the end. So now, over to you, Heidi, for the presentation.
0: Thanks so much for that introduction and thank you for having me and I'm so excited to be here and to talk about actionable steps um, and they're not fear-based steps actionable proactive steps for transitioning to a non-faculty career. Um, I did it so you can too. Um, So get started. I want to just give you an overview. So I'm going to share with you my career transition and intermingled with that will be actions that you can take. And I want to emphasize, too, it's not just actions to take um, if you're currently in graduate school, not to take after grad school, but to somehow try to fit in, even if it's just an hour or so a week into your schedule, to take now so that by the time you graduate or by the time that postdoc is up, um, you are ready to launch and ready to transition. So we'll talk about actions. I will go through a few success stories from people um, with a science background and then I'm going to leave you with some resources. Some of these are some of my favorite resources that I used when I was making a transition, but also that I recommend to my clients. So let's get started. I'll tell you a little bit more about what I used to do, which now I look and I, I sometimes chuckle a little of, wow, I've kind of, I've changed a lot in what I do in the topic. Um, So I got a PhD in history from Duke in 2012. I defended in October of 2012. I studied U.S. and Caribbean history, slavery, law, and the legal culture. And my dissertation was entitled Refining Slavery, Defining Freedom slavery and slave governance in South Carolina 1670 to 1747. So let's fast forward a little bit. What do I do now? So I launched my company in 2013 while I was in graduate school. For about the last 18 months of my dissertation, I was, um, I was doing these steps. I wish someone told me about these steps ahead of time. Um, I was figuring out what I wanted to do. And I, I was figuring that out, refining my ideas. And so I had some work commitments after I defended and um, those mostly wrapped up and I launched my business in April of 2013. So about five months later. Or, uh, five six months. So I help individuals and businesses succeed when the stakes are high. But what does that really mean? Um, it means I offer consulting, coaching, writing, and editing services for a variety of things. The thing that unites my clients is that they come to me when it really matters, when those stakes are high. So I help with resumes, CVs, cover letters, LinkedIn, and interview preparation job campaign coaching, and I've switched to calling it to campaign instead of a search or a hunt, right? Campaign where we go door to door. We're very proactive in this. So job campaign coaching. Uh, For businesses, I may help with proposals, letters, websites, marketing material, and I also offer admissions consulting and tutoring for the undergraduate level as well as the graduate and professional school level. So I went from being a historian to owning a consulting firm. It's been, um, in some ways, it has seemed like a big transition. In other ways, it has seemed incredibly logical. Um, and a key message I want to send to everybody is that I know, um, so I'm an optimist, and I embrace that, and I'm upbeat, and I want these steps to feel um, Energizing in things that are doable, right? They are actionable steps. But I also realize that it's easy for me to look back and say, oh, this is all you have to do, and you'll be fine. So it's not to say that when I did this transition, I didn't feel like there was some struggle and uncertainty and hardship. Um, So, what I would say to you, though, is embrace that struggle, embrace the hardship, embrace uncertainty. Have faith in yourself and your ability to figure it out, whatever it is. Um, I I believe almost all of you listening in are going to have some type of a background in research, right? Um, Most people with the, something that unites someone with a PhD or someone who almost has a PhD is that we know how to research. That crosses all disciplines. So, My point is, you know, you have that skill. You can use those research skills to really figure out what it is you need to do and how you can do it. So just keep that in mind. Even though I'm real upbeat and happy about this, no, I get it. It can be tough, but you can do it. So with that said, let's dive into the steps. So step one, it sounds easy, but maybe it's the most challenging one. Listen to yourself. What I mean is listen to your actions and not just what you tell yourself. Um, So how does this apply to me? I kept talking about how I was going to be a professor. But I read Versatile PhD almost every day while I was working on my dissertation. If you don't know about Versatile PhD, you should check it out. It is a website and private forum for people to ask questions, to share stories, to share challenges, inspiration, um, everything about what can I do with a PhD other than be a professor. So I read that. I declined opportunities for teaching assistantships and research assistantships, right? These are prime opportunities for a professor in training and yet I didn't take them all the time. Um, I realized I had a preference for working with people one-on-one or in small groups. So my idea of a great day wasn't speaking to a lecture hall of hundreds of students and that being my primary mode of teaching. I like teaching and interacting um, in smaller groups. It's not to say I don't like the larger groups, but I did have that preference. And... Also, I talked about having a side business, even though it wasn't practical. And when I say it wasn't practical, I really mean it wasn't practical. How in the world are you going to be a tenure track professor? Try to get your book out, which in my discipline, that is the key marker for getting tenure. Um, I do have some hobbies. I like to garden and do all those little, you know, typical things. and oh, by the way, I have two children, and somehow I was trying to brainstorm, how am I going to have a side business because I'd really like to do that? So it just wasn't practical. My my actions, some of these things that I was doing was not pointing toward, yeah, I can't wait to go back into the archives to do more research to get my book out. And maybe most important, thoughts of a tenure-track job literally made me feel sick. It's not that I felt like I couldn't do it, but I got filled with dread. (laughs) My stomach literally started to feel upset when I thought about having that job. Um, It's nothing against it, but those actions, the way my body was physically reacting, was telling me, this isn't for you. Okay, so listen to yourself. If any of those things you can relate to, you know, take a moment and say, well, what does this really mean for me? What am I really interested in? Okay, so if you listen to yourself, then our next step is for you to explore your options, which can be overwhelming. It can be exciting. Hopefully, at least it's some fun. Um, Use your university's career center and other resources. Okay, so while if you are tied to a university, if you have that connection, make sure you seize the opportunity that it brings because career centers often offer complementary personality assessments. They offer coaching. They offer critiques of resumes. They offer so much. For me, Duke University's Career Center helped me realize higher education did not fit my personality. I took an assessment, and I forget which one it's called, but um, I chuckle every time I I think about it. My top position was something like um, being a general in the military because I'm not afraid to make a decision. Um, And one of my worst fits in terms of industry was higher ed. So that gave me some, is it the, you know, it wasn't the end all and be all, but it was one piece of the puzzle that helped explain why maybe higher ed wasn't the best fit for me. The Career Center helped me refine my business idea. And, it gave me confidence. I worked with a career counselor who she was just fabulous. Um, she supported me. She she was just wonderful. Um, and frankly, it gave me confidence and she gave me a kick in the pants to get moving with my idea. I would come in there week after week and I'd express this and that and I'm exploring things. And finally, she's like, well, I think you just need to act. So your career center can give you so many resources. Um, One more example, a client I just wrapped up with, she is a professor, a research professor, um, and she wants to transition into industry. And I, I spoke with her and I said, well, take a look and see what you have access to at your university. And within a week, she came back to me saying how uh, a week or so, how she enrolled in 15 different professional development seminars and courses. And they're ones that all will transition very, will help her transition to industry because they have those industry type names like project management, um, leadership development. So the Career Center and the resources at your university um, can offer you a lot of. a lot of help in this as you're exploring options. So also when exploring options, put your research skills to use. Educate yourself on considerations important to you. So maybe you know you don't want or feel like being um, a faculty member isn't the best fit for you, or frankly, maybe you feel pushed out because we know the job market isn't great. So educate yourself on what is out there. And, and think about what matters to you. What location do you want to live in? Do you want to live in sunny Florida or um, Wisconsin and be up there with the Green Bay Packers? Um, what type of company do you want to work for? Read up. What's it like to be working for a large corporation that may have some really great benefits to it versus a small startup? You can think about what industry? Do you want to work for the federal government? Broadly speaking, the federal government. Do you want to work for for for-profit companies, for non-profit companies, for NGOs, etc.? Think about work-life balance. That is a big, big, big consideration for a lot of people. Don't get out of academia because you don't want to work 70 hours a week and then I don't know, go into becoming a Wall Street trader, because I'm guessing they work a lot too. So, so try to be realistic of what, what a job is. You know, if you want X job, does it fit with the location where you want to live, with the type of company you want, with the work-life balance you want? Also, and a lot of academics don't like to talk about this, but think about salary and benefits. Is, are you looking for something that's going to meet your salary needs? Um, and career tra- trajectories. Um, decide where do you want to go long term? You might not have that nailed down um, precisely right now, and you probably shouldn't. Um, but just thinking about what, what's out there. If someone starts as a data analyst, where do they en- sometimes end up going, right? We hope you're enjoying this episode of Listen In from Bite Size Bio. To access the visuals of this webinar, please see the episode description for a link to the full presentation. So, this is this is all the exploration stage, initial research, shall we say. Then, once you have some ideas in mind of what you think you might like, gain experiences that help you determine even further what you enjoy and enhance your marketability. So, some real-life examples from me from my um, my past, I did a season as a reader for Duke admissions. Um, what did I learn about that, right? What did I learn about what I enjoyed? Well, I liked helping people before the person hit submit. So I read these applications and I was thinking, oh, I'd love to talk to them. I wish, you know, I'd love to hear about their, their thoughts and what made them write their um, admissions essay this way. I was also a copy editor uh, for an academic journal and a company called American Journal Experts. From that, even though I, I do like editing, um, and I do it very frequently <laughs> given my job, but I learned it's not the only thing I wanted. I missed human interaction. And for me, the most important experience I had uh, outside, of the, outside of my department at Duke was serving as a writing consultant at Duke's writing studio. From that, I realized I loved working with individuals in small groups on what I would call high-stakes documents. I loved working with them on their ideas for personal statements, for helping them sharpen their resumes. Um, so when it really mattered, I, I just, I really loved working on those documents and helping people and play a, a small role in their, a uh, very small role in their success. And that is where if you wonder, well, why would you turn down a teaching assistantship or a research assistantship? I did because I didn't want to give up my job at the writing studio, a job that some people would say, oh, my gosh, it's just tutoring. But I loved it. And I kept that job for over six years. So I'd I'd encourage you to think about, you know, and you see these steps build on each other. They they co-mingle. What are you doing? now that you choose to do that doesn't seem like, well, this is kind of, this is just for fun. Because each time in my life I followed the thing that was just for fun, you know, at some point I realized, oh, I can make, I can do more with this. So exploring your options. A A third part about this before we move on to the third step, be honest about your limitations. So there might be countless opportunities in a certain geographic location, but maybe you refuse to move there. Okay, accept limitations and adjust accordingly. Sometimes there's that saying, it is what it is, right? So if you have a limitation, accept it and adjust your plans and don't let anyone else dictate your limitations. There are common real life limitations that I want to briefly go through if nothing else just for the fact to let you know it's okay that you have this limitation because some people think that it's not okay and I don't know I'm here to tell you it is okay. So it's fine to decide I'm going to at least partially decide my career trajectory because I want to stay in a particular location or I want to move to a particular location or i want to consider my partner's preferences in his or her career it's also okay if you need to make a decision based on your children's needs or your parents' needs it's also okay to have if that you want a stable full-time job adjuncting is not for everybody it's also okay and something a lot of people don't talk about but You, it's fine if you want a higher income than what you'd have as a postdoc or a professor. These are all legitimate reasons that you, that may shape part of your job strategy. Limitations in some ways, yes, but accepting that we all have some type of limitation. Now that can be freeing. Okay, so you've listened to yourself. You've explored some options. You have some things in mind that you want to learn more about. So what's the next step? The next step is talking to people about it. So conduct informational interviews. If you haven't heard this term before, it is when you identify people doing what you hope to do or working at a company you hope to work at and you request an interview with them to refine your ideas and goals and to gather information, so you gather information on the interviewee's career path, current job, and or the company. So those are three frameworks actually that you can approach an interview. So you, you can um, sometimes people will ask me, you know, I'd really like to get into editing. Could you tell me about what it's like to be an editor? So that's more about my current job, right? Um, a career path structure would be, Heidi, do you mind talking with me for 20 minutes? I'd love to hear how you transitioned. How did you go from point A to point B? And then the third is, geez, I'm really interested in this company. What's the culture like? What is, you know, what's it like to work here? Do you mind chatting with me about that? So some guidelines though. So for conducting these, assume the interviewees busy. And make your request accordingly. Ask for a 20-minute conversation and stick to your time limit. If they say, oh, it's fine that we talk longer, that's different. Um, but you want to be mindful of their time because they're, gonna, they're, they're busy. Um, if you're having this conversation with someone who lives locally to you, offer to buy coffee or lunch, but also suggest a phone call as an option too. Simply put, some people don't have time in their schedule to leave the office to meet for coffee or lunch, Um, but they're more than happy to have a phone call. Prepare with diligence. Have your questions ready and be direct, concise, and appreciative of the person's time. And it's not to say that you should, I don't know, just be like rapid fire, boom, 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 boom with your questions, but you don't want to come across as seeming like you weren't prepared. Be prompt and give advance notice if you must cancel. You really, truly should only cancel for a true emergency. The reasoning is, well, it's just, I mean, it's, it's decency, right? But you don't know, if you make a good impression on somebody, you don't know what may happen. You never go into an informational interview asking for a job. But if you impress the person, you never know where that will take you. That's part of networking. Maybe down the road, that person knows of a job opening and they contact you to tell you about it. Um. So that's, so. so you really, this is not an interview in the sense that someone's going to offer you a job, but you want to make your best impression. Moving on, so you can see we're kind of, if this is a bullseye, we're narrowing in on that, that or a target rather, we're narrowing in on the bullseye. Um, you, now, step four, learn what it takes to succeed. And what I mean is learn what obstacles there might be for you, like specific things. What do you need to do in order to get where you want to go? I'm a firm believer that you should not bury your head in the sand and say, oh, it'll be okay. So knowledge is power. Knowledge allows you to overcome obstacles. Questions to ask yourself. What are the challenges in your desired area of interest? What do you need to do to get where you are going? One of the things that I had to think about was the, even though I did a lot of professional development at Duke and I learned from what I would say I learned from the best about how to construct resumes, I also know that in my industry it gives you added credibility if you are a certified professional resume writer. So I became a certified professional resume writer. It helped me. So that's a very small but, you know, tangible thing. So maybe it is a certification. Maybe it's demonstrating that you have taken coursework in a particular topic. And sometimes people think, oh, well, it's not a course. It's not a semester-long course. But even if it's a four-hour online thing or a a one-day workshop or a one-hour lunch and learn, it is something maybe that you've been able to take that somebody else hasn't. Right. So we want to know, what do I need to do to get to my next step? I also want to take a brief moment to talk about the confidence gap. Do you know what this is? (laughs) If not, I strongly encourage you to read about it. And I provide a link to it at the end of the webinar. Um, In essence, and so first, so you can Google it if you go confidence gap, the Atlantic. It's uh, there's a wonderful article in there, and the premise is that women are not as confident as men, and because of that, we uh, we attribute things to luck, and we don't go up for promotions when other, when men might. Um, so, and it provides a larger framework for women to understand insecurities, but I would argue that the confidence gap applies to people in transition more broadly. This is anecdotal. I know you're all scientists, so it's anecdotal. (laughs) But I see this in men and women who are transitioning from academia. It's, well, I'm, you know, I don't have this experience. I don't have that experience. And I just think taking 10, 15 minutes to read that article and really process it helps provide a framework for when you have those moments of self-doubt it gives you an idea of well this is some this is part of something larger than myself right maybe i actually don't have that certification that i need but that's something i can get but the you know the um maybe a relentless uh insecurity, maybe that's part of something larger, something societal. So it, it's been helpful for me. I've had plenty of clients find it helpful. I encourage you to take a look at it. Also, LinkedIn. So LinkedIn is a tool of the trade. Keep an open mind about it if you're not using it yet. Um, I really encourage clients to embrace LinkedIn. If you're transitioning, LinkedIn can offer you so much because it, it's free. You don't have to pay for a premium package. It allows you to grow your network. It allows you to research companies. It allows you to research jobs. And I argue it's a professional development tool because you can join groups on LinkedIn that are going to to help you learn and grow. And one in particular is called um, Alternative jobs for PhDs or or something like that. And it has about, I think, 60,000 members. So there's a lot of people contributing and it's a very good group. So a final thought on, on that step is have a pity party if you must, right? If you're struggling with this idea that you're transitioning, but I would say, make it a quick one. And what I mean is, it's, it's, again, it's not to make light of the hardship that is involved and sometimes the emotional turmoil that is involved, but have confidence. You'll get yourself through this. And if you need to help work with somebody to help you deal with the, if, for lack of a better term, the emotional aspects of, wow, I thought I was going to be X and it looks like I'm not. Um, there's a, a coach out there that I know of, and there's a, a again, a resource later that I have the link. Um, her blog, her, her business is called From PhD to Life. Her name's Jennifer Polk. And one of the things she does is help people work through this emotional aspect of transitioning away from academia. So it's not that I'm saying don't deal with it, but it's, you know, the thing that's going to, I'm a firm believer, the thing that will make you feel better is taking action to, to continue along your way. So our last step, prepare your job campaign strategy. Educate yourself on the application process and what it takes to get a job. And these are, there's three main things, exceptional written documents, networking, and interview preparation. So let's Briefly go through written documents, just a few tips, right? Know the difference between CVs and resumes in which document is expected. So you don't want to submit a CV when they're asking for a resume. Um, also, kind of a, a, a timeout for a second about the definition. You can all look this up, but um, so teaching moment. In North America, the resume is a 1 to 2 maybe 3 page marketing tool. It's a summary of your relevant skills, abilities and experiences. Your CV is that academic document we have that I will say is listy, right? It's, it has it's lists of information. If you're in Europe, what in what we call the resume in the US y- often is called the CV so that's important right so if you're applying for a company in the UK and it asks for a CV if you're an American you need to realize they're probably asking for your resume not your academic CV it's kind of tricky but I needed to share that with you because I know we have an international audience okay you want to write from the reader's perspective so a resume cover letter You know, we want to think about what does the reader want to see? So you pack those documents with accomplishments and results and you tailor them to each job. You learn what makes for a great cover letter. And a hint there is it's not necessarily a letter that's all about you. Those usually look like I, 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 I. Um, It's a letter about why you're a great fit for the company. Moving on, Networking. Like I said before, use LinkedIn to grow your network and locate opportunities. Tell people about your interests when appropriate, of course, and attend networking events. They help you identify points of contact and they help you practice your presentation skills because even though you might be excellent at presenting at an academic conference, it's very different to be presenting yourself in a way that's helping you market yourself and saying, this is what I do. This is what I'm looking for. This is why I can contribute. The last part here for inner is interviewing. So learn effective interviewing techniques in various interview types, right? There's interview types from case studies to behavioral questions to panel interviews, to all-day interviews. Um, Ahead of time, reflect on points that you wanna make during the interview and know your point of differentiation. What that means is what makes you different? What makes you different from all the other scientists who are applying for this position? So those are the steps. Listen to yourself, explore your options, conduct informational interviews learn what it takes to succeed, prepare for the job campaign. And I want to offer you a bonus step. Okay. Act. It doesn't matter if you're qualified, if you're talented, if you're prepared or all these other words, if you fail to act. So have a great attitude, be confident, and have tenacity. Go after what you want. Go after it. So the last few minutes, I'd like to just briefly talk about a few success stories of people who have science backgrounds who are no longer in academia. So our first success story is Vivian Collier. She got a PhD in biology from Duke. She's done several different things, but she is currently a scientific communications editor at National Cancer Institute. So she is still within a science field, but she's doing communications and editing. She's really happy, too. (laughs) Um, So next story, Mike Davies. He has a background in biochemistry, biophysics, and molecular biology. His Ph.D. is from the University of Minnesota, Twin Cities. Mike took a different turn Um, Completely, and he became a financial advisor, and I know it's a position he loves, and he also founded the Life Science Networking Group in Morrisville, North Carolina. A third person is Steve Greenbaum. He got a PhD in immunology from Duke. He is currently vice president of BAI in the areas of life science biodefense, homeland security, and he's a managing partner of a firm called Cyversify. So these are all, all three people, and this is just a sampling. Um, you can see they took very different routes. Steve is clearly um, up at the kind of that higher level of management and helping run an organization. Mike is an entrepreneur in his own way. He's doing, um, he's financial advisor, that's a that's a big difference from being in the sciences. And Vivian is still in that field, yet doing um, communications editing. A third person that I don't have, I don't have a slide, but this is someone who is still a practicing scientist, but she is in industry. So she, this person received her PhD in muscle protein metabolism from the University of Texas Medical Branch. And she is currently a senior scientist in the R&D department, um, the scientific affairs division for Beachbody. So Beachbody, if anybody knows the um, very popular workout programs like P90X, that's the company that produces those. And so she is still a scientist. It's just not within academia. So further resources, I have two slides of these, then I will be finished. So like I said earlier, From PhD to Life, this is run by Jen, Jennifer Polk, and she offers individual coaching and consulting, but there's so many resources on her website, and she has a huge Twitter following too strengths finders this is an assessment tool that for like ten dollars online you can take it in half an hour it shows you your top strengths when I took it I think I put a tweet out there that said this is creepy (laughs) I've I read my results and it explained perfectly why I went from being a historian to a resume writer um, and consulting firm owner. It's well worth the, the $10 to take that assessment. And it helps, again, it's just one piece of the puzzle, gives you perspective on what am I really good at? PhD Career Guide. This is a website and it's run by a man who is I'm trying to remember his specific discipline. He's in the STEM field. So um it's all it's a wonderful website filled with information about what it looks like. Career guide for PhDs. Um Lynda.com. If you don't know about this website, you should take a look. It has thousands of different courses that you can take for professional development. So maybe you you realize that what you want to go into involves that you have got to be a power user of Microsoft Excel. Well, Linda will offer courses on that. In their self-study, there is a fee, but, 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 but. If you're affiliated with your university, your university might have a subscription, which means you sign in with your secure ID and you have access to those courses for free. That's all stuff that can help position you on a resume that, hey, I have these skills that you want for this job. Last page of resources. LinkedIn, by now you should know, I love LinkedIn. I think it's just so valuable. It's free. There's limitless possibilities for networking researching opportunities, and growing your network. The confidence gap, which I shared earlier, um, there's a, I did a Google shortener, a URL shortener, but if you Google the Atlantic confidence gap, you'll find it. Like I said, it's well worth the read. It can help provide a larger framework for understanding the, I guess, the feelings you might be feeling while you're going through this transition. Amy Cuddy, for those of you who have not heard her speak or read her work, she has the second most watched TED Talk. And it's about the importance of body language and the power of body language and how it can empower you. In her book came out last week. It's called Presence, Bringing Your Boldest Self to Your Biggest Challenges. Amy Cuddy is a professor at Harvard, and her work um, again, is is just it's incredibly interesting and I think empowering because, in a nutshell, what she's saying, uh, one of the things is is just the way you, you your body language can help you in high pressure situations. That's a very um, simplified version of what she says, and last. Um, And last but maybe not least, um, my website has tips and resources. So I will periodically write um, some blog posts and and list resources and give updates that cover information for people looking for jobs, for people in transition, and on writing well. Um, And that... With that, I will say thank you. I greatly appreciate your attention, and I hope that you found this helpful and, and empowering. So thank you.
1: Thanks, Heidi. That was an excellent presentation. We have a few questions in the audience. If anyone else has a question, please feel free to post it in the questions box that appears on the right of your screen. So. Heidi, when you look back at your time at Duke, is there anything you wish you had done differently to facilitate your transition that you think our listeners might find useful?
0: I would say that I wish I had explored some of those things that I said about looking for other opportunities, um, sitting in on a workshop or a seminar. Um, I wish I had done that, and I wish I'd seen what I could have done in terms of business development. like like of, of developing my knowledge of business. So Duke has um, an incredibly good business school. And I think I may have been able to audit courses, I think, but I can't even say that with certainty because um, I never looked into it. And in hindsight, I wish I did. So taking advantage of those types of resources, even if you're not certain, um, you know, if you think, oh, this might be helpful, I'd encourage people to to seriously think about marking out the time on your calendar, especially if it's that one or two-hour workshop, because it really might be helpful. I wish I had done that to develop my understanding of, um, you know, growing a business in, in the business world.
1: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, there's, I know that there's a lot of... Um at the university of my postdoc, there's a lot of opportunity to be able to audit anything. And uh, sometimes there's employee assistance programs where they'll actually pay for you to get credit too. Which yeah. And to that's be nice to add credentials.
0: Absolutely. I mean, I'm really, when I think I could have audited classes there. Oh my goodness. What was I thinking? Right? Like I wasn't, I should have been, I was, you know, you can, but you can't beat yourself up, but It's certainly a message I I tell people, like, see what you have at your fingertips, because once that affiliation is gone, so many of those resources are gone with it.
1: That's very true. And so is there anything about your current job that has pleasantly surprised you, something that maybe you didn't think about when you decided to leave academia, but that you now appreciate?
0: So one of the things that I um, that I found out from Strength Finders Strength Finders is that I'm a learner. So that that um, that assessment tool will categorize you as you know a learner, achiever, um, all different things. And I'm a learner, and I'm always learning, and I love that. And I absolutely love the people I get to work with where it's it, I just love getting to meet different people from all walks of life from different backgrounds. So, I never thought about that as um how do I put it? Going into it, I, I'm very practical and I thought, "Well, this is something I like doing. This is something that will give me the work-life balance I want. Um it's something that I can control, grow as I want." I thought it from very practical standpoints. But I didn't Truly, I, I never expected just the the great satisfaction I'd get just from getting to know people from, I mean, literally across the globe. I work with people internationally and getting to help them just, you know, I feel like I play a, I can play a small part, helping ambitious people get to the next step. And that I find deeply satisfying. And um, you know, just getting to stay in touch with clients where even though my business tends to be transactional, right, They, you hire me, I help you, you get where you're going, and it's done. I love that we stay in touch. So just there's um, the, the personal satisfaction is much greater than I think I ever could have anticipated.
1: That's really great. Um, so if you have one piece of advice to give to people who are thinking about um, transitioning, what would it be?
0: Believe in yourself cuz if you believe in yourself and you have you I know everybody listening has skills of, of researching right that's that's what it takes and it's not to say that it's always easy but if you know if you approach the problem the, the problem right if the problem is what am i going to do with my life right <laughs> if you approach that from a standpoint of I'm going to succeed and I'm going to be happy, right? Then you're going to get that result. It's not going to say that there's not going to be bumps in the road, but you just, you just got to believe that you have this, you have the skills and abilities. You'll figure it out, believe you can do it and you will. And again, maybe there's something you do lack, right? Nobody has everything. Figure out. Well, do I really need to get better at this? Take a course, you know, and do what you need to do. Check it off the box and keep moving forward. So, it, it, I think it comes down to that belief that you can do it. As corny as that sounds, <laughs> <laughs>
1: I like that. It seems like um, even just in science, a lot of it is just the confidence that you can do something.
0: Absolutely, absolutely.
1: And then. We do have I think this might be our last question. Um do you have any suggestions for PhD level part-time work?
0: Oh, of course. So, um it it depends, I guess it depends on what you want to do, right? So, I know plenty of people who if they want to if they want to get into anything that has to do with writing or editing, whether that is, you know, technical writing or or anything like that, the um, Vivian kind of what she did. Right. You can do that freelance. Um, You can do stuff that is contract based. You can look for internships. So the woman who works at Beachbody, she did while she was doing a postdoc, I, I can't remember the name, but she lined up in internship that she worked, I think it was 10 hours a week, maybe in regulatory affairs. I'm trying, you know, I'm trying to remember specific the, but, um, but so you can line stuff up part time. And then that way on a resume, some people think that you have to put on a resume, how many hours a week on a federal resume you do, but on a, what I call the regular (laughs) resume, like the non-federal resume, you don't have to put how many hours a week you're doing it. So, so look for freelance work, internships. Some of those are paid. Some might not be. Um, any, you know, think through it critically, right? Like, well, what skill or what experience do I need to show that I have? And then see, well, geez, can I have a connection at a company? Will they let me come in and work on a project, just project-based, a contract, right? So those those are a couple ways of um, of approaching it. So freelance and internships.
1: That's fantastic. Well, that brings us to the end of the seminar. So thank you again, Heidi, for a fantastic presentation and a wonderful discussion. Thank you. And finally, thanks to you, the audience, for taking the time to attend and listen in. If you've enjoyed the seminar and would like to view the video recording of the session, please visit the seminars page on bitesizebio.com. It should be available within the next 24 hours. And there you can see other webinars that we have lined up for you in BiteSize Bio's webinar festival. So next time, until next time, good luck in your research, and goodbye from all of us. Bite Size Bio. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed the webinar. To view the full video version of this and all of our other webinars, please visit bitesizebio.com/webinars.
0: Finding the right mentor can make all the difference in your research journey. But what if you don't have one? Look no further than Mentors at Your Benchside, the podcast that offers curated advice from experienced researchers on
1: web skills, techniques, and career progression. With short, easy to access episodes, you can get the help you need to succeed in the lab. Visit bitesizebio.com
0: forward slash podcasts or search for mentors at your bench site in your podcast app to subscribe and get help and advice from seasoned scientists.